Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. the latest episode of Let's Talk Loyalty and in true uh, partnership I suppose with our friends in the Wise Marketeer I am super happy to be bringing you today uh, truly a global voice of loyalty. So today I am interviewing Mark Sage who is currently working as the Chief Operations Officer for a brand new program out of Hong Kong called You Rewards. Now, many of you may have seen the headlines. I've certainly been following Mark myself on LinkedIn for a long time. And U Rewards is doing extraordinary work um, as a coalition program in the Hong Kong market. So first and foremost, I'd like to welcome Mark Sage to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. So listen, you're in Hong Kong today um, and delighted to be talking to you. I'll be very keen to hear how you ended up in in that city. Um, It's definitely my favorite city in the world. It's one I've been to many times, um, but I'm not familiar with the loyalty landscape. So I know you Rewards is a very young program. um, So really excited to hear about the whole journey. But before we get into talking uh, about the loyalty program itself, Mark, tell me first and foremost, uh, from all of your many years working in loyalty, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Uh, well, I'm going to be greedy and have three, um, but I think they're all connected in, in, in my view. So um, the, the stats are 50, 40, 30, and, and it's basically uh, 50%, which is the uh, essentially maximum interest you'd have in a population for loyalty. So if you're launching a, a kind of wow. national program, okay. you're generally only going to get about 50% of people that are that are interested in that program uh, okay. to start off with. Okay. Um, the, the 40% is pretty much the active population in a loyalty program. So, uh, you know, when you look at the stats across all loyalty programs, you normally find about forty percent of the of the member base are active. Uh, okay. So, of, of the fifty you manage to recruit, only about forty percent of those yeah. will actually be your active members in the program. Okay. Uh, and then the other stat is the thirty. So, the thirty is pretty much uh, the average number of people who will join and churn after the first transaction. Oh my um, goodness! And so. For me, it's it's all about focus. You don't really need to worry too much about the fifty percent you can't interest. You can't make people want to points program. Yeah. Um, but of the people you can interest, it's a protect and retain. For that forty percent, you know, knowing who they are and protecting and retain them is key. Yeah. Um, and then for your thirty percent, those are the people that uh, you get a lukewarm interest, but won't stay around for too long. That's really about how do you activate them. So how do you focus on those people and and yes. get them to come back and do that second, that third transaction. So. Okay. You know, when you're looking at a loyalty program, when you're building a loyalty model, that kind of 50, 40, 30 is, is one of the things I always uh, always have a look at. Wow. I feel so much better, better educated, Mark, and we've only gotten started. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and actually, I thought it would have been higher because I remember speaking um, to, a, to a grocery program, I'll say, and I'm sure their targets were about 60%. So would you say that within certain categories, you can get you know, much higher engagement levels and that the 50% is just when it's, it's averaged out across all industries? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, it depends. Depends on what you're measuring. So if you're if you're measuring something like basket penetration, um, then yeah, for grocery that'd be sixty to seventy percent penetration. But mm. obviously that's coming from it's a standard kind of eighty twenty rule. So sure. you've got twenty percent of your of your members typically representing eighty percent of your revenue. It's it's yeah. it's not always like that, but you know typically it's a seventy thirty. Mm. Um, and so in that. In that respect, if you're seeing basket penetration at you know 60, 70% mm. of loyalty, that's coming actually not from 
70% of your customers. It's coming from about 30 to 40% of your customers. Sure. Um, sure. And so that's that's really what you're seeing. So it's just understanding what you're measuring. But in terms of a national program, mm-hmm. if you said, actually, we have a, a million customers out there mm. that come into our stores every day, you yeah. can get about half of those people because, you know, okay. some people are a customer that they don't come in and out that often. So it's it's yeah. just looking at it as a measure, really, in terms of what, what you're trying to do. You'll never get 100% loyalty or 100% penetration of your customer base. Yeah. But you will yeah. you should be able to aim for like 60 to 70% penetration, depending on the on the sector of your of your basket. Wonderful, wonderful. So 50, 40, 30, that's brilliant. And um, I'll be super keen to hear exactly about, um, you know, how ambitious you rewards is going to be. So as I mentioned, it's a very young program. I think you launched at the end of July in Hong Kong. Am I right? Yeah, launch on the 30th of July. So uh, yeah, it's been, uh, I can't count the weeks now. It's probably been 13, 14 weeks, something like that. My goodness. So you're definitely the youngest program I've had on the show. And you mentioned to me before that you got a million members in your first week. And I know you also crossed the two million member mark. So um, how was that compared to your expectations before you launched? Yeah, it was it, it was amazing, to be fair. I mean, we at two million, we were aiming for uh, by the end of the year, really, uh, as, a, as, a, as a milestone. And we hit it in the first month. So Wow. You know, as you can imagine, uh, you know, with three months in, that, that number is still growing well. So, sure, um, yeah, it's above expectation, and it's and it's above the growth rate in the sense of the velocity that we were looking for. So, okay, so that's that's all really good, and and actually, you know, the active rates are, are, are fantastic as well. So, you know, it's, it's landed well. Um, yeah. I think if you obviously you're not in market, but anybody that is in market. It will won't have missed the program. I mean, we've got um, yeah. like ninety seven percent brand awareness. So wow, um, we are literally everywhere, and it just it just means that um, you know we've managed to hit the market really well and get that that kind of penetration that you need up front uh, to yeah. kind of build build that momentum of the program. Absolutely, and I'd love to um, to get a sense of, I suppose, first and foremost, where you got involved, Mark, because I know in terms of your career, you came from the technology side. You have over twenty years with Carlson Marketing, and then obviously through to, to Amia. So, when did you get involved with the concept for you rewards? And tell us a bit about it, because it's very exciting to to have a coalition program to talk about. So, so I'd love to get a, a sense of the story. Yeah, so so like you said, my background originally is technology. I've been probably out of actual tech in the sense of kind of I used to be in software development and, and product development, but um, for the last ten years, I've really been on the the strategy and business development side. So when I was at Amia, we were uh, looking at coalitions globally and worked in a number of markets to kind of set up new coalitions. Mm-hmm. So my background, I kind of migrated from the more proprietary coalition world, uh, doing a lot of kind of credit card loyalty and retail loyalty. For individual brands into the coalition world, and obviously, you know, Amia uh, at, at that time owned Nectar, uh, Air Miles, and an Aeroplan. So, you know, there's a sure. lot of coalition experience within the company. Sure. Um, and then this opportunity came up. So, essentially, I was approached for for the opportunity uh, probably what, 18 months ago now. Um, okay. uh, and yeah, it was just one of those exciting opportunities that I think from pretty much the conversation to uh, to getting on a plane was was less than a month. Wow, um, and I and I I yeah moved straight over here. So it was like you say, it's, there aren't that many coalitions <laughs> that, that get rolled out nationally. Yeah. So when one comes up, yeah. it's as interesting as as your rewards. You kind of have to grasp it. And had you even been to Hong Kong before, Mark? Yeah, so I was doing uh, at the time I was working for Eagle Eye. Um, so I was uh, down in Australia because they were expanding in that market. So I was down sure. in Australia quite a lot. So I was coming through Hong Kong and Singapore. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing kind of business development back and forth uh, at that level. And, and previously, when I was at Amia, 
Uh, you okay. know, we had operations over in Asia as well. So I was through Hong Kong there. So I knew I knew yeah. the market, but only from a kind of business traveler point of view, a few a couple of days here and there. Um, yeah. You know, moving here is a, is a whole different experience, but it's, it is an amazing place. Absolutely. And I'd love to get a sense then really of the overall proposition because coalition, um, you know, has many different forms. And I think you're actually in a very privileged position because, as I understand it, the U Rewards program is a coalition that's owned and operated by by one massive conglomerate of retailers. Is, is that right, my understanding? Yeah, so uh, so Dairy Farm as a, as a company uh, has a number of banners underneath it. So some of them quite well known globally in terms of uh, brands. So things like Seven Eleven people would know, um, yeah. but our grocery uh, brand Welcome mm-hmm. um, and Mannings, which is our pharmacy brand, um, are all very very large uh, brands over here. Mm. Uh, we've got about two thousand retail outlets overall. So it's you know we're one of the biggest uh, retailers and retail groups uh, within the Hong Kong market. So as you say, you know, typically when you're setting up a coalition, you're looking to get good coverage of everyday spend. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can get grocery and pharmacy in one program, that's phenomenal. But yeah. we've also got convenience with 7-Eleven. Yeah. And then we're owned by uh, by Jardine, which is a very, very old company in Hong Kong. I mean, it's like 100 plus years old, 150 wow. years old. So yeah. Yeah. Jardine also own JRG, which is the Jardine restaurant group. Uh, and in there, we've got KFC and Pizza Hut. Um, so we managed to bring those into the program as well. Mm. And then, again, within the dairy farm um, brands, we also own the IKEA franchise. Uh-huh. Uh, so we've got IKEA uh, quite uniquely, actually, in the program um, sure. yeah. as, a, as a loyalty partner. So, yeah. you know, our ability to cover, you know, kind of homewares um, uh, and grocery and pharmacy, but also, you know, dining options as well is, is quite a, a unique uh, group of brands that you can bring together and quite a strong proposition from, a, from an overall kind of household spend coverage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is, as I said, it's it's the sweet spot and the holy grail of, you know, consumers want those multiple earning opportunities. Um, and obviously you want to avoid the complexity of multi-partner negotiation. So at least everything's within the same group. So um, it sounds like it might have been simpler. I'm not saying you probably didn't have, uh, uh, you know, stressful times along the way with such a huge launch. And I, I will congratulate you um, just on the, um, the extraordinary outdoor campaign. I've been following it. And again, and just in preparation for today's call and um, seeing an extraordinary amount of above the line activity, which is probably particularly exciting, I suppose. You mentioned to me it's your first um, real client side project to, to run. Am I right? Yeah, so I've been on the agency side for for a very long time. So as you say, you know, Carlson Marketing, Amia, yeah. uh, Eagle Eye as well, I guess, are all agencies in one form or another. And obviously, you know, Carlson and Amia were, were essentially marketing agencies. Um, so of yeah, course. this is the kind of first client side role uh, in loyalty um, yeah. that I've done. Okay. And it's nice to, to almost jump the fence. Like you say, I, I've launched a lot of programs um, yeah. to launch it and then ultimately be accountable for it on the other side is, <laughs> is, is quite special. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it has been super exciting. As you say, the, the, the marketing guys have done a, done a phenomenal job in terms of uh, the yeah. launch they've done in market. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the things I think, I mean, the, the outdoor is, is, is fantastic, but they also had um, uh, essentially a launch song here with, with um, two guys, George and Alex. And George is very well known in the Hong Kong market. Uh, okay. He's been described to me as like the Cliff, the Cliff Richard of Hong Kong. So oh it's that goodness. kind of um, 
Brilliant. Beloved, <laughs> beloved, affectionate, uh, local, yeah. local, local talent, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. So, okay. So, so that's landed very well because obviously, you know, the, the song that we've used is a repurpose uh, of, okay. of an older song. Um, okay. So people know it, they know the tune. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just worked very well, I think, in terms of um, creating some some good uh, conversation around. Okay. the program and and you know something that people can talk about and it also obviously creates some great key visuals in terms of you know people that are well-known faces and, and well-loved yeah. faces of Hong Kong so yeah uh, yeah it's, it's worked very, very well I think the guys have done a great job and yeah. it also talks to the fact that you know when you're launching a loyalty program which is ultimately about retention yeah you, you can't forget the fact that it's actually an acquisition play to start off with and we have to acquire yeah and so the acquisition you know how that how you do that is, is super super important yeah. And how long would you say, Mark, I suppose, just to give a sense of, um, you know, from the concept of, you know, building this massive coalition program. And I know it's it's literally the biggest loyalty program that's ever happened in, in the Hong Kong market. How long would you say that total process was? Um, like, did you come in at the beginning? Was it like a year and a half or or was it already well underway? Because just from my perspective, you know, people often say, you know, how soon can we have a program in market? You know, which is, is just... <laughs> a really difficult question to answer. And I love to give examples of, you know, well, it actually took, you know, two years to build this or a year and a half, or what would you say it took to build something of the scale that you're operating there? So I think when I joined, the conversations have been going on for about a year, um, okay. small teams, but the conversations were really about the, I guess, more on the, the modeling side and, and, the, and the business case side. So getting okay. to the point where it's like, yes, we want to do this. We want to push the button on it. So when I came in, we were, we were kind of just starting out on the Mm. on the requirements phase. So what is it okay. that we want to do and how do we want to make it work? Yeah. Uh, from that point, we went pretty rapidly. So it's probably, uh, I guess it was about nine months we, we were ready to go. We chose to to not go straight away because of just, you know, situations on the ground uh, around COVID and stuff. So we, we had the yeah. time when we when we launched at that, le- at that level. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yeah, probably about nine months uh, end-to-end to get it up and running. Um, and that's, okay. you know, that's a reasonable timescale when you're building a, a new yeah. application from scratch uh, and obviously integrating a lot of systems. And we had over 50 systems to integrate, uh, a lot of kind of legacy wow. pods across our various banners and e-commerce. Yeah. Um, and so it's just a lot of work to, to kind of bring all that together. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was still quite a pacey, a pacey timing. I mean, my my background of launching programs for clients where you've got all the systems and everything is, 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 a, is a good six months. Yeah. Um, so to do a coalition in in pretty much nine months uh, is, is, is good going. It's, it's uh, incredible. From that point of view. Absolutely. And compared to, I suppose, your expectations going in, you know, were there things that that surprised you either about the Hong Kong market or, you know, just the overall complexity of the client side piece? Um, no, I think the, I think the expectations in terms of the launch itself were, you know, I kind of knew what I was coming for having having done this a number of times on the agency side. So, I, yeah, the actual launch itself, I think, I think was fine. I think the market, though, is... Um, is very different. I think, I mean, they have a phrase here, Jetso, which is really around um, promotions and, and a love of promotions. And this market yeah. really does love promotions. Um, okay. And you see you see people out on the street queuing outside restaurants, waiting for, in essence, the hour when the, when the price drops. Wow. Um, you see people queuing, you know, waiting for the new at the free newspaper because it, it will have, you know, offers and vouchers and stuff like that in there. So wow. it's a very promotionally savvy market. Um, mm. And it's, it's, you know, that's one of the things that we've, we've kind of tried to tap into in the program is to make sure that we've got, you know, good, fresh offers and content coming through mm. uh, to, 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 to provide for that for the market. But 
Mm. Uh, we we see it having gone live. I mean, one of the surprises is you know what people will phone us up for in terms of um, points. Mm. You know, when somebody's missed a, a promotion or something of that nature, you know, they will call us for what is essentially a relatively small value yeah. in in those terms wow. at a points level. Yeah. Um, but they're on it. They're, they're they're monitoring it. They're tracking it, uh, and and they're very you know promotionally sensitive, which is which is great. And and you know that that's what we're kind of uh, working for is to provide that value to the to the customers. But it's um, yeah, it's very yeah. different to what I, I guess would have seen in some of the UK programs where yeah. you know collection can be quite passive sometimes in terms of how people uh, yeah. participate in the programs. Wow. Yes. And I guess that means they're they're truly responsive. So I, I guess it gives you a sense of real the, the power to drive behavior then when you know that they're watching, they're waiting, um, you can do your communications and people will respond. So I guess your response rates must be super fascinating to be watching. Yeah. And I think the other thing is because of the nature of the program, because it's a, a, a digital first program and, and most of what we're doing, in fact, pretty much the program operates through through the mobile app. That's uh, that's yeah. our main way of working with the program. So if you want the full capabilities, you have to have the app installed. OK. Um, you know, and so we've got real time visibility of, you know, when an offer is put up there, when are people opening, when are they clicking on things? Uh, if you go and shop in store and, and, and you know, scan your, your loyalty ID as part of the purchase, within a second, your phone will beep and tell you how many points you've earned. Wow. Um, so we've really kind of tapped into that real-time nature. Um, mm. And it just, it does snowball because it, it creates a customer expectation of real-time. So if any part of our program isn't operating in real-time, um, you know, we've had phone calls around it. You know, we have a, a credit card partner on our program. Uh, and just the nature of, of of credit cards is they don't tend yeah. to be real time. They tend to yeah. take two or three days for settlement and stuff to come through. And of course, yeah, you know, that's one of the areas that we're, that we're looking at because it's you know two to three days. People are saying, "Well, well where's my points?" Because they're getting wow. used to yeah. uh, operating in a real time environment. And so, mm. in a sense, that that is that is great uh, in terms of in terms of what we can work with. But it also sets uh, sets the bar high for us. So you know, we've actually yeah. had to change functionality we were planning to bring in we've had to change it to uh, to make it to make it real time um because wow. we just knew that when we looked at it it said we couldn't launch that uh, that kind of capability unless it was a real-time capability so mm. it's it's great in that sense and and you know it does tap into what consumers are looking for in terms of you know as soon as you're on app they can yeah. come in and see what's happening um but it does mean that uh, we have to stay ahead of the curve essentially and and um you know make sure that we that we meet that demand Wow. Yeah. Creating it. And then, as you said, living up to it, because uh, I can only imagine, you know, 50 systems, 2000 stores, 10 brands. And as you said, coming to market in a rel relatively short time frame and, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, that's that's a pretty extraordinary achievement. So, again, the, the two million members and even for listeners who may not be familiar, I did check um, before we came on to, to chat today. There are about, I think, seven and a half million residents in Hong Kong. Um, so to have two million of those already registered on your program is is extraordinary penetration for something that's literally just three months old. Yeah, exactly. As you say, I mean it's uh, it's 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 really good, and obviously you know we're we're aiming for for a slightly higher penetration than that, and we we will, we will get there. But um, yeah. yeah, that two million initially is is phenomenal for the uh, for the size of the population. It sure is. And tell us a bit about the uh, the decision to to go plastic free, because you know again my um, you know distant understanding of of the Hong Kong market is that it is very digitally savvy, uh, but I know there's plenty of retailers that are nervous 
when, you know, we go in and say, OK, you don't need a plastic card. It can all be done on app. Was that a difficult decision for the Hong Kong market or, or would you say that that was just the only way to go? I think it was it was a I wouldn't say a hard decision, but it was it's something that had to be thought around. Um, and I think we had some nervousness from some of our partners in terms of whether whether you know some of the older customers would miss out on the program. Sure. Um, and there was an element, I guess, of a leap of faith in some areas to to, to say, you know, whether, whether we could do that. Uh, ultimately, it's actually worked very well. So we have super, super high penetration from a mobile app point of view. Sure. We do actually have an offline channel. So in, in the Hong Kong market, uh, there is a, uh, a transit card called uh, Octopus. Okay. Uh, which is a bit like Oyster in the in the UK. Okay. Um, but the difference is that that's kind of about ninety eight percent penetration or something. So pretty much everybody in Hong Kong has an has an Octopus card. Okay. And so we do use that as an offline identity for a, for a small number of customers. You can actually sign up in a Seven Eleven uh, using your Octopus card. Interesting. Um, but it's not a channel that we promote um, publicly, really. Um, and we haven't had that many go through that channel. But it's okay. kind of the fallback channel for, for, for the older population or somebody who doesn't really want to engage on the mobile app. But mm. actually, we found that um, it exceeded my expectation. I mean, in, in fairness, I was expecting uh, a, a lower a lower penetration number just because of what I'd seen in previous markets and previous sure. programs. Yeah. But it is, it is phenomenal. I mean, pretty much the whole of our base is, is on a mobile app. Um, wow. And it spans all age groups. Uh, and, I, and I think we underestimate, I think, sometimes um, what uh, what people use. I mean, you know, my my, my parents who are, you know, edging yeah. towards us is, um, are, are on there. They've got Facebook. They've got WhatsApp. They're using their mobile phones all the time. Um, they've got the devices. Uh, yes. You just need to help them get the app onto that device. And so yeah. one of the things that we did very strongly um, was to make sure that the QR code for download and the messages about download were were literally everywhere. And it was one of the key messages from the Above the Line campaign was basically download the app. Yeah, uh, And you have to promote it at that level. You have to have it at every touch point uh, to yeah. get people to download it so they can't miss it. So every single piece of POS material, all the hanging banners, et cetera, even yeah. the trams that we wrapped in blue, uh, yeah. they've all got a QR code on them. Um, wow. And you have to make it that easy, but mm. it works. Um, we, you, can, you can get it out there. And I think it's it's difficult if you've got a legacy population of plastic cards, but if you were launching a program now, yeah. you know, certainly from our experience, I would say just just bite the bullet and, and, and go that route um, because it's very difficult if you make it easy for somebody to go plastic, very yeah. difficult to convert them to, to a mobile app because there's no reason for them to do so. Um, but if you just don't put yeah. that route in there, uh, yeah. they've got no choice. They will, they will sign up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's almost like just taking the pain early on, because if you are going to have to go through a conversion further down, um, then, then you might as well just, I think, take the pain now. Particularly, again, we're in 2020. And again, I think Hong Kong seems to be a very savvy country. I'm sure mobile penetration, as you said, is extremely high. Um, I know you also have abilities to join using WeChat and other platforms like that. So have they worked um, easily for you as well? Yeah, so we have... Um Essentially, iOS and Android as, as the main apps, and then we use WeChat as well. Okay. Um, WeChat's really aimed more at the the mainland Chinese uh, audience. So in the Hong Kong market, um, when yeah. when we don't have <laughs> challenges of COVID, sure, um, and the borders are all open, then you know you get a lot of uh, mainland uh, traffic come through. People coming over the border to to do uh, shopping and stuff. 
Of course. And so, you know, WeChat is is a main uh, one of the main mediums over there to to interact. Um, and so we've got pretty much all the same functionality in WeChat as well. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that was that was fine to to do. I think um, you know, to stand up the WeChat mini program was 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 actually quite easy and quite quick. Um, okay. probably in comparison to building an app. So yeah. it's been it's been really good to have those kind of three formats. What we what we haven't really done is provided the full capabilities on the website. So we've kind of leapfrogged the web completely. We do have a website and it will tell mm. you about the program and it will mm. tell you how to download the app. Mm. But what it doesn't do is give you much more than some basic account servicing. So you can enroll and you can see okay. your transaction history and, and, and things like that and an FAQ. Mm. But if you actually want to use offers and redeem, you need to download the app because we wanted to make sure that the app is essentially the whole way of, of interacting with the program. Yeah. And again, it just drives that, that traffic towards there. So we've, we've purposely put some friction in the process um, mm. to make some processes harder mm. uh, for the consumer to keep, you know, the app as being the, the easiest, the smoothest route to, uh, okay. to participate on the program. Absolutely. And tell me about just uh, t- language, actually, as one point, Mark, um, you know, how many languages do you have to, to, to you know, deliver the program in, in, in the Hong Kong market? So we have three languages. So we have simplified uh, Chinese and traditional Chinese. Um, oh. So simplified is more for the mainland audience, um, okay. and then traditional is essentially the local, the yeah. local market, which is probably about ninety percent plus of our of our membership base will be on uh, traditional Chinese, uh, wow. and then we obviously well. Um, which is, you know, will be somewhere in the region of kind of six to eight percent of our base will be uh, will be English, and the English actually spans quite a few people. So you've got, the, you know, clearly the, the kind of expat audience of, of yes. Europeans and Americans, etc., over here. Yes. There's also quite a large audience of of helpers, Filipinos, um, and Indonesian. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, it works for a lot of a lot of different people that are in the market um, from a Hong yes. Kong point of view. Absolutely. And a bit of trivia, because I love, uh, even from my own research, Mark, in preparing for this, um, Hong Kong, I believe, has the second highest number of billionaires of any city on the planet. I don't know if you knew that already, did you? <laughs> Random I trivia. I didn't, but I can believe it. So, there yes. you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and also a densely populated place. So again, just because we are, you know, keen to help people understand the type of market you're operating in. The whole uh, city, I believe, is only 426 square miles for those seven and a half million people. So uh, space is at a premium by all accounts. Yeah, it is. Although it's it's interesting, a very green city. So I think a lot of people only see Hong Kong from the pictures that you see at the harbour. Yeah. Um, but actually, you know, it's it's a very small amount of land that actually has housing on it. It's a okay. huge amount of land that is green, and and you know, a lot of it's hilly. But the the yeah. hiking in Hong Kong is amazing. So if you come over, make sure you are. Uh, as yes. you go hiking up the mountains, it's a, it's a very good experience. Oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. And tell me, you've mentioned the challenges of COVID and the pandemic, Mark. How has that, um, well, how is it in Hong Kong at the moment? You know, what um, what's the kind of infection rates or or behaviour? Is it something that's um, still a massive problem or where is it at? Yeah, so Hong Kong's interesting. I mean, I, I, I was recently in the UK, so it was interesting to see the comparison between Hong Kong, Hong Kong and the UK. So yeah. pretty much as soon as there was a, a kind of a whiff of, of, of an issue or a pandemic, uh, all yeah. the masks came on. Okay. Uh, Hong Kong had previously been through SARS, so they, they, they yes. were kind of used to this this type of issue. Yes. Um, and everybody just wears a mask. And and it's, you know, it has been mandated, but it almost didn't need to be mandated because everyone wears one by choice. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and in that sense, we have very, very low infection rates here. I mean, it's typically single digit um, infection rates. Uh, and, and so life is relatively normal here. So 
you know, they've had some restrictions on uh, on bars being open, but that's you know that's pretty much gone. They had some restrictions on you know groups meeting together, so it was around kind of group before. That's now kind of gone up a little bit. So there's okay. no mass groups, there's no, there's no kind of mass events and, and that kind of thing going on. But day to day life, restaurants, bars, and that that kind of thing are, are open. Um, it's fairly normal, except for the fact that you can't travel. I mean, obviously that's you know everyone's got the same same challenge there, but you know okay. life goes on. Okay. at that level and then I guess the only things that really really have been hit here would be tourism so yes. you know clearly if you're in the kind of hotels or or uh, you know airline industry yeah. you're going to feel the impact um because you know that's there's no there's just no traffic no nobody flying in at that level um, but the, yeah. the kind of day-to-day uh retail is, is you know generally okay okay and, you know, people are still still spending and still coming out um yeah. and obviously you know for a business like ours, where you know we're selling food and, and and things of that nature, it's you know it's it's still relatively healthy. So um, okay. you know, in the big scheme of things, I think we're doing a lot better than than other other markets. And you know, obviously, yeah. you know, I've got family and stuff in the UK. I can I can see what's what's happening over there. It's it's a much tougher situation, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm certainly an advocate of the mask, Mark. And uh, as listeners will know, it's, it is a requirement here in Dubai. I've probably talked about it before. And I was actually in Hong Kong when SARS broke out. So, you know, I've had a bit of a scare myself, you know, just in terms of seeing it. So it is amazing, I think, in Asian cultures that it's just they're so much more prepared. And I've heard the same about um, Africa, for example, um, I believe in Rwanda, because they're used to, you know, um, you know, keeping Ebola out that, again, their they're screening and their their protocols are, are much better developed. So um, anyway, slightly off topic, apologies for, for loyalty, but it is genuinely fascinating, I think, for, for everyone. So the last area I wanted to ask you, um, I'll just recap, I suppose, the brands. I think you said you have 10 brands. So Welcome is the, the grocery brand for, for supermarket loyalty. Then Mannings, I know you mentioned to me um, your pharmacy brand already had a loyalty program. So how did you find, I suppose, convincing members of the Mannings program to, to move over to you rewards? So we had a, a specific program um, put in place to kind of migrate those members across. So there was a lot of uh, you know, information that we provided to them in terms of what was happening to the program as much okay. as we could, because clearly, you know, the launch of the program itself was, was you know, um, quite confidential. Okay. Um, but they knew the program was changing and, and, and changing into something new. Yeah. But really, from, from the Manning's point of view, the, the Mancard program has been replaced by something that's essentially richer and broader. So you, sure. you get more value for your for your shop at Mannings uh, now in new rewards. Mm-hmm. And you can also earn across more banners um, from that point of view. So mm. the, the migration has, has has gone very, very well in terms of, you know, the, the percentage of people that have moved from the, into the program is pretty much the whole program across. Okay. Um, and the members are transacting well and and you know they're getting you know better value overall than they were getting in in the original program yeah uh, so i think in that sense it's it's been a great it's been a great success and, and to be fair we, we had other programs as well running some of our other banners all okay. of them all of them have migrated well and, and all of them are running at levels higher than they were as individual programs and i think that yeah. that kind of speaks to the strength of the coalition program model yeah uh, i think there's been a lot of chatter you know, in in the press in recent years, when you what's happened with things like Aeroplan and, and Nectar totally. and Miles, and you know, yeah. there's been a lot of chatter around. You know, yeah. is the coalition model dead? Yeah, uh, I think you know what what we're showing is actually no, it, it can work very very well if you yeah. you know you get the strength of the the brands behind it and you promote it well. Yeah, and there's genuine customer value in there, uh, then it works very very well, and it's 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 a great asset in that sense. 
Yeah. And I am a huge fan of of the model, Mark. Um, I think that most of the challenges come from the internal stakeholders. So it is the brands that um, that complicate things because everybody, obviously, there's so many vested interests. Um, but I think from a consumer perspective, we all want that kind of cumulative, you know, cross lifestyle effect. So I, I, I think you're doing amazing work with it. Um, the other one I wanted to specifically ask as a partner, Mark, was 7-Eleven. Um, I'm fascinated and do a lot of work in convenience retail, as you know. So, so how has it gone? Did you replace a program for 7-Eleven in Hong Kong or, or is it a new idea to have loyalty in, in convenience retail? So 7-Eleven, I think, originally had a, a program called 7Fans, um, which was a, a slightly smaller scale, but was you know one of their ways of, of kind of interacting with the consumers. Mm. As you say, I mean, convenience is a, is a difficult sector, I think, to do loyalty in mm. uh, because of the nature of the, the kind of spend levels that people have. Yeah. Um, even when I was working on, on things like Nectar in the UK, you saw less uh, less penetration within the smaller format stores. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I think what, what you rewards has brought to 7-Eleven is, is a much more, um, energized base who are seeking to, uh, you know, to essentially earn value wherever they can. Yeah. And so the penetration levels are, are higher. Great. Um, in, okay. in the sense of what they would have seen before. Yeah. Uh, and like anything with, with convenience, you know, we, we're going to have to, I think, work harder to, uh, to get those penetration levels higher because it's mm. just the nature of the, the nature of the beast when it comes to convenience retail. Um, mm. so it's about what, you know, what else can we do to, to, to essentially incent the, the behavior yeah. of, of, of showing your loyalty ID and, and removing, you know, friction out of the process. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that, that we've done there is, you know, with the octopus card, because a lot of payments going through 7-Eleven are on octopus because it's a low value transaction. Sure. Um, you can link your octopus card to the app and then you can essentially single tap. Uh, so when fantastic. you pay with your yes. octopus card, if you've, if you've linked your octopus to the app, it will automatically just give you loyalty points. Wonderful. So, you know, yeah. we've done some things to try and streamline that process uh, and tap onto the back of the payments process uh, with inconvenience. Yeah. Um, we have some other things in the pipeline to come down. But yeah, I think it's 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 working well for them. And, and it gives a really good kind of example of why coalition works well for different yeah. different sectors. Because, you know, where you have got a, you know, a sector which is in that sense, high frequency, but low spend. Yeah. It's sometimes not as attractive to 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 have a loyalty card for, for the majority of customers, whereas you know yes. coalition allows us to, to kind of reach wider and deeper. And I'm glad you mentioned the the card linking there, Mark, as well, because for me it's it's really the single biggest opportunity. And there are plenty of obviously fantastic tech companies that are building that type of solution. But I do think it's particularly useful in convenience retail if they don't have to do that double tap or double identification piece. So um so that's super clever. And the octopus card sounds like the perfect vehicle. So um yeah, I can hear a real focus on simplicity coming through, which again I think um, really makes uh, consumers' life easier, as well as obviously the merchants. Um, the final piece I wanted to ask you about, Mark, today was um, just, uh, I suppose, jumping back onto some of the um, fantastic work you did actually in AMIA. And that might not be relevant as yet or, or at all, in fact, for new rewards, but um, just interested to get your perspective really on this idea of rewards for interaction. Um, I saw some fantastic presentations that you gave um, quite a few years ago now, I think uh, Dubai 2013 was the last one because, as you've said, you've been consulting and, and doing different things. But where do you think that's at in terms of um, the loyalty, the world of loyalty, um, either just in general as an industry observer or even for you rewards? Is there something around rewarding social interaction that uh, that you've seen or are seeing at the moment? So I think it's it's 
it's a difficult one to do from a pure play rewards point of view. So, you know, to give people value um, for things that aren't directly tied to value. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you start giving people points for, uh, you know, for back in the day for liking you on Facebook or yeah. any of that, I think those kind of things don't particularly work well because you'll have some people who will try and game the system and, and earn value yeah. for nothing. Yeah. Um, and actually genuine customers who are genuinely collecting points aren't interested in getting paid very small amounts of money. They, they will interact because they want to interact. Yeah. And so I think the interactions actually is more important in terms of, of tracking behavior and using it to inform how you personalize the program. So it's really, you know, we, we do a lot of, uh, of tagging of our, of our assets. So our app is tagged, you know, we, we, we use, um, that data within things like Google Analytics, et cetera. So we know, you know, we, we can see behaviors. We know what people are, what people are doing in terms of interacting with the app and interacting with offers and that kind of information, which are all essentially interactions. And yeah. obviously somebody goes into social media and clicks on one of our advertisements, you know, like everybody, we know the advertisements being clicked on. So okay. that type of interaction information um, is an idea of what interests our members. And that okay. it's that information that feeds into our ability to, to target great promotions to the members to give them great value. Mm. Um, so, you know, the purchase basket is, is great and knowing what you buy, but also just knowing what you're interested in, um, yeah. and what kind of promotions you like and what kind of, uh, in essence, what kind of ads you like, what would you like to see? So we can mm. serve you more of that kind of stuff and less of the stuff that you don't want to see. Mm. So I think it's, for me, it's kind of moved on a little bit, that it's not so much about rewarding interactions in the, in the direct sense. Okay. It's more about being able to capture interactions for personalization. Yeah. Um, uh, and to make sure that that personalization then builds through. So one of the big things for us on a roadmap perspective is just really dialing up that personalization. Okay. And that does need to take account of, you know, just simple things like, you know, when do you open the app? What time of day do you open the app? Mm. So, so that we serve you the right content at the right time. Mm. Um, you know, very, very simple things, but learning the kind of behaviors that, that work well for you as a member Mm. means that we can take friction out of that relationship uh, and just make it easier for you to interact with us so mm. that ultimately you earn value um mm. you know throughout through our balance by by you know making purchases even then that's that's kind mm. of a win-win for both then wonderful i've one final question for you and you might not want to answer it mark but um it just occurred to me do you think at some point there's an opportunity for non-group companies to become members of your coalition is that something that's um that you can comment on at, at this stage um, so I would say we are a coalition program. So mm. I think, you know, we're looking to provide value to our members. We already have non-group companies in, in the program in the sense of, you know, we have uh, Hayes, which is uh, a bank in, in Hong Kong. Okay. Um, and their Enjoy card uh, is, 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 a, is a great way of earning points. So we've great. got a really strong points multiplier. You get, you get essentially, uh, you know, one point um, if, you're, if you're spending within our banners per, per dollar, per Hong mm -hmm. Kong dollar. Okay. And if you use your Hayes card, that, that gets doubled um, nice. to two points within our banners. Um, and then if you're using your Hayes card in, in our food and beverage outlets, that gets tripled to three points. So we've already got a partner in the program who's who's essentially a non a non dairy okay. farm or non Jardine partner. And I think you know certainly the intention will be to 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 bring value to our members uh, wherever that wherever that sits. So certainly there, there will be uh, okay. I suspect you know additional uh, verticals that we will be looking at. Wonderful. So watch this space, eh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Um, well, that's it from my side, Mark. Was there anything else you wanted to mention from your side before we wrap up? No, I think that's all good, Paula. It's been good fun. Wonderful, wonderful. So listen, Mark Sage, Chief Operating Officer at U Rewards in Hong Kong. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you. 
This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform. Find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews. And thanks again for supporting the show. Music.